Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode where we interview Ryan Albasta, a physics PhD student at UW-Madison. The interview was recorded prior to episode five due to us wanting to cater to his availability and wanting to avoid a conflict due to the holidays as we will be releasing this episode on December 22nd. However, our adventure microdoses at the end are within the last two weeks of this episode being released. We hope you all enjoy his insights on the world and what adventure is, because we know we did. So sit back, relax, and from Asher and I here at the Living Uncharted podcast, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Holidays. Thanks for supporting our podcasting endeavors, and we hope you stick around. We've got more cool stuff coming in the future. Hi, this is Seth Harper. And I'm Asher Callio. And you're listening to the Living Uncharted Podcast. Oh man, Asher back at it again. Another one. I feel Another like one. I feel like for like the intros of our episodes, I think for most of them so far, the phrase back at it again has has made an entrance. Um, yeah. I think we've got to we've got to come up with a more unique subject line for the introduction of our of our podcast. Yeah, because I think for the first couple episodes both of us were surprised that we were doing another one <laughs> and that's no longer the case. Oh, dude, you're right. You're right. That's exactly, that is a perfect explanation for that. It's just no. week in week out, baby. Well, two weeks in two weeks out. No. All right. Close enough. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening to this latest episode of the living uncharted podcast. We've got, our next guest on the episode today, um, he's he's pretty cool. I don't know. To, I guess to, a quick summary would be uh, he's a PhD student, which for all I care means pretty hype dude. Um, yeah, that, that was him in the background. Um, so, yeah. Um, Our first well, PhD student guest. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly that's big honor. We'll have to throw in uh, an applause sound drop there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like we did with our our first guest, uh, we'll start off with a brag sheet about this person um, and then we'll get into the interview. Um, so I'll be covering the brag sheet um, for this one. This person got their undergrad degree in physics uh, with a minor in electrical engineering from Texas A&M. Um, also known as the college home of Johnny Manziel, which that could be either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Ryan, um, is it true that everything is bigger in Texas? Oh, I don't know what you could be referring to. I don't know. Um, Take it as you will. I'd say quite a lot of things are. Um, for example, the football stadium at A&M is a little gigantic. <laughs> It's like 110,000 or something. 
Oh, jeez. For a college football stadium. I didn't realize it was that big. Holy crap. That's yeah. large. Know. We got excited when we had Johnny Manziel. <laughs> um, we got less excited afterwards, but we'd already spent the money on the expansion. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is currently in his fifth year of his PhD program at UW-Madison in physics. Um, he has been working on a project regarding nuclear fusion, which we'll ask him more about that later. He's been married uh, for five years. His wife is also amazing. He has traveled to Germany, France, and Italy for his job. That's pretty cool. This is probably the best and most important one, if we're being honest. Uh, He was a groomsman in my wedding. So, uh, you know, quite an honor. And, and, you know, not to toot my own order. I mean, highlight. (laughs) And And if this podcast loves anything, it's marriage. We do love marriage. Yeah, love marriage. It's basically a marriage podcast. Well, no, it's not. But like, you know, marriage is an adventure. It is an adventure, and yeah. we'll definitely have we'll definitely have my wife on at some point because she is my greatest adventure, honey. If you're listening, um, yeah. If there's a message for the audience, it's um, be married. And if, if if you're not, don't listen to this. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. So to all you single people out there, I apologize for the sheer abrasiveness. <laughs> no. Hey, you know what? Wherever you're at in your life, whether you're married or you're not, it's all good. And I know that he would agree. Absolutely. Um, he's a cat dad yep. right now. So, yeah, yeah. you know, for all those cat mom fans out there, he's like that, except a dad. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <Different>. <laughs> Different genetics, same vibe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and last but not last but not least, he's uh, he's got some pretty epic facial hair, which unfortunately you guys can't see at the moment. But maybe for the for the social post for this episode, we'll have to drop a pic in there so y'all can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, it won't actually be a picture of Ryan. It'll just be a picture of his beard. <laughs> So, yeah, that's right. Cropped everything else. Well, we'll, we'll isolate it from the rest of his body. You'll Which... see a lot of lips and a lot of beard. And that's about yeah. all you get. That's just what you want. Yeah. 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 Um, Give the but... people what they want. <laughs> Without further ado, uh, you've already been hearing from him. But uh, yeah, we'd like to welcome to the show Ryan Albasta. Yeah, woo! <laughs> no, good, good to be here. This is fun. You've been telling me about this podcast for a while. I've been, I was, I was honored to be asked to be on it. I've never been on a podcast. Um, and I hear if you if you do something specific enough, you can be the first at a lot of things. So, yeah, it's the first PhD student on here. I don't know if that's an achievement, but it's certainly specific. I mean, first male guest also. Yeah, the first male guest. There you go. I worked really hard for that one. So. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Um so yeah, Ryan's pretty cool. Um I I met Ryan a couple years ago now. Maybe three? No, two years ago. I don't know, something like that. Uh we met through our church's Bible study. And uh I don't know, I feel like we hit it off right away. Yeah. I don't know. You're it's gonna sound weird, but you're kind of similar to my wife. Um <laughs> Which is just the personality type that I get along with, you know? It's a what do you mean by that, Ryan? <laughs> I, I mean, he is a kind man, and he's also, like, a social guy. He's a talker, you know? Um, 
it's the combination of like you know nice but like funny and we'll like shoot it right back at you you know yeah that's is the kind of you know is the reason i married her you know i, I vibe oh hold on i vibe <laughs> with that personality <laughs> no i get you man no I, I appreciate it that's a really great compliment so yeah we've just i'd say we're pretty good friends now yeah i think that's fair to say asher you you met Ryan a little bit more recently. What, what, what was your first impression of Ryan Asher when you met him? Man, first impression. First impressions are very weird because um, I feel like I I try not to be, but I'm actually a very like judgmental person on like first. At least you're honest. Uh, oh, uh, like a first <laughs> vibe off of someone, and. I'm really interested to see how you brutally judged Ryan. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I I guess I just kind of like he kind of seemed like a nerd to me. There which is. is like spot on. It it makes sense <laughs> because you're very smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is. But yeah, that was kind of my first impression and I'm really glad that I didn't just like stop there because there's like way more to you than that. You're a kind man. I was, I was waiting for like, I was confused why this old man was hanging out with a bunch of uh, undergrads on a bachelor party. No, no, <laughs> it, it, it hasn't been said. I'm like 27. Um, and well, you just defended all the 50 year olds out there. So that, mm, yeah, <laughs> you're, if you're older than 27 in the audience, I meant no offense. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're older than 27, you are ancient. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was me and, and a bunch of guys your age at the bachelor party, which was a great time. A great time. Y'all are. I, I thought you like in the best way possible. You really fit in with our like with our group. Y'all are an accepting group. It's not too hard. But, you know, I, I had a great time. It, it was fun. And I in I always forget that Seth is young, younger than me, other than the fact that we had lots of conversations about the fact that he was, like, going to get married. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was a while ago for me. But other right. than that, I don't know. You guys are mature. Like, Well, and I know that for a while when, like, when we were first, you know, starting to become friends, I know you'd, you'd always ask me out, see if I want to go for a beer or something. And I'd be like, forget. <laughs> I'd be like, bro, I'm like, I'm 19. You know, <laughs> you selling alcohol to minors over here. Um, I am a child, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no, but like That's what he sounded like too it was weird. <laughs> wow, this really changed. Oh my gosh, yeah, I was a late bloomer. Guys. Oh, the no. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be a good podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gonna be a good episode, people. Strap in. All right, get ready, uh, Ryan. Right off the bat, we kind of wanted to ask you, um, you know, we we started with your brag sheet, but what else do you want the the listeners to know about you? You know, we gave our perspective of your let the highlight reel. So, yeah, we kind of just wanted to open it up to you. Is there anything else to your personality besides cat death? <laughs> I mean, not much, you know, but like <laughs> I would say like. um I've always, you know, I've always liked science. I've always, you know, been a nerd. I, I also have always really liked music. Uh, I play a couple instruments. Uh, I used to like write 
terrible songs with my friend when I was growing up. Um, he's in a band now and doing stuff, but took slightly different paths. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think the stereotype about scientists is like emotionless. And I, I think a lot of life is figuring out your emotions and how you see the world. And, you know, like there's something really beautiful about music and getting to describe experiences that everyone's had in a way that resonates with them, like in a way that they couldn't think of themselves, you know, mm. um, that I, I really like about music. I always like the lyrics and songs. Yeah, I'd say uh, I'm a musician, I like music. I think art is really important to like the human experience. So uh, science is cool, but it's a tool, you know, at the end of the day, mm. we're just people. Yeah, sure. I think that's a really in, like an interesting part of life. And I think it's it can be tempting, like as a young man, to kind of go, like, all right, I'm gonna be a man. I'm gonna like beer and chopping wood. <laughs> and like, yeah, those things are great, but like music and dance and art, there's like so much, so much more to life than like stereotypical masculine things oh totally i mean I, I i think that if i were to like try to summarize the things i'm interested in like a, a core component of them is honesty like i like mm. science because it's like an honest representation of how things work you know it's it cut the fat how does it actually work what's going on you know and I, I feel the same way about like art you know like my favorite songs are just like cut the fat and maybe it's expressed in a beautiful way, but it's like a simple emotion. It's a simple, you know, like uh, analogy to like what you would deal with. And like, that's beautiful. It's beautiful to be able to express something that's complicated and confusing in an honest and simple way. Like that takes a lot of work, you know? So um, I think you're right. Like they're chopping wood is great. Drinking beer is great, you know? But like <laughs> uh, if you're just doing things because it's the image you feel like you should be, you know, given out to the world, then you don't really understand yourself. You know, mm. um, you can do those things, but do those things because those mean something to you. Yeah. You know, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So thank you, Ryan. Appreciate that. So yeah, the next kind of question we have for you is how'd you get your start in physics? Why do you like it? Why have you stuck with it? Cause I, I'm an accounting major, so I do number things. And Asher is an EMT, so he does saving people things. Uh, <laughs> what do you have to bring to the table? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, I will I will say right off the bat, my my best friend back home is a nurse. I have a lot of family in the medical field. I, I really think people bring a lot of different stuff to the table. Um, I have an enormous amount of respect for people who work in the medical field. Um, Asher, honestly, like it, it's an amazing job. The kind of responsibility that you have as a profession is insane to me. Like, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's an hourly job. You clock in, clock out. But like people's lives are on the line. You know, one of these yeah. days I might call, you know, someone like you and or maybe it will be him. Or maybe it will be you, and I'll be really freaked out. No, but <laughs> you know what I mean. I, yeah, I don't you don't know. want me. You don't want me. <laughs> well, we we just you know compartmentalize things into work and not work. But like, yeah, the the people I know who work in the medical field, like it's a part of their life. You know, mm. like yeah, 
they uh i won't go on too long about it but yeah no a lot of respect for that and um my my ryan will be on the side of the road bleeding out (laughs) and like we'll call asher and ash will be like you know what you need ketamine <laughs> we all know Asher. He's just a ketamine kind of guy. Yeah. I just love it. <laughs> um, Yikes. On that note, anyway, yeah. yeah. My my story of how I got into physics is not like that, and that's the thing. Like I, I don't know. I, I spend my time uh, coding and playing with uh, lasers, which is just very different than uh, a medical career, and I acknowledge that, you know. Um, <laughs> but. Reason I got into physics, it's it's actually I think it's a cool story. I I always liked I always liked science when I was like a kid. My dad's a, a chemical engineer, but you know he 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 likes science for the sake of science too. Um, and he figured out pretty early that I liked it and would get me like these little like books about stars or like the universe. You know, I had a book mm-hmm. of like all the the rockets that the U.S. launched like during the space race. Um, had them like memorized. You know, had like a little model of saturn five which is my favorite one were were you cheering for the u.s or were you cheering for russia i didn't know <laughs> what that meant um i don't probably good i don't think i knew what the ussr was um, <laughs> good yeah. answer ryan <laughs> yeah sure um, but i did think that rockets were neat um saturn five was my favorite because it was the biggest and i was like six so that was all i needed um i was funny i didn't really want to be an astronaut i wanted to build rockets um so i think mm. that was my dad's cue of like maybe he likes science um so yeah we'd read all these books about like this is how the universe works and like you know this is a black hole and i i just thought it was the coolest thing in the world so when i was like seven i i declared uh to all that i was gonna be a theoretical physicist when you uh, were seven when i was seven that wow was like stated i was like that's what i want to be which i was i was way off i'm not a theoretical <laughs> physicist i'm actually a theoretical <laughs> physicist what's the difference <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but so I was, ended up being a lot more accurate than you would expect a seven year old to be. But I went through a lot of different things I wanted to be. Uh, I, I always like science. But when I was in like late junior high, early high school, I found God, um, which was a big deal to me, changed a lot of my relationships in my life changed for, like for the better. It's still a huge part of my life. And so for a while, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be a pastor now. <laughs> oh, and then I was like, no, I'm going to be a missionary. And I'm going to go live in a random country uh, for the rest of my life. Um, I feel like a lot of a lot of Christians go through that cycle. Absolutely. <laughs> they're, young yeah. and they're like, I want to do something for God. So I'm going to be a pastor. Oh, wait, no, I'm going to be a missionary. Oh, wait, no, I'm going to be a plumber. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the arc back towards. Um, it, it's just, yeah, you, you, you overrate the people on the front line sometimes uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, they are important. Very ex- exceedingly yeah. important. Tons of respect for those career paths. And if I had done that, I'd still be, you know, very happy with my life choices. But, you know, at some point you realize that God gives you, you know, a certain set of gifts. And, you know, how are you going to use those? You know, like what what matters? What kinds of things do you want to accomplish? And 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 I, I'm a firm believer that your career does not need to be your driving thing. You know, you don't yes. have to love what you do, right? Part of existing is getting by you know, and taking care of the people you love and, you know, making a life that you can then live in and serve people even outside of your career. You know, I, I consider myself very lucky that I find meaning in my career and not everyone can do that. And I'm grateful for the people who work the jobs that they don't want to work to provide the conveniences that I rely on, you know? Right. Um, but I eventually arced back to, no, I'm going to be an engineer 
because in my head, engineers could get jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, physicists probably couldn't. Uh, so that was my mentality when I was going to go into college. And I actually started out as an engineer. Um, I started out as an electrical engineer. And I kept looking at all the physics courses and being like, I really want to take that. That looks really cool. I wonder if I could just like sit in on it. And the number of courses I wanted to do that for kept getting larger. Um, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to audit quantum mechanics. I'm going to audit general relativity. I'm going to, and eventually, I think it was my dad was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, it's like, you only want to take physics courses. <laughs> and no, I had a really, I had a conversation with my dad that's like burned into my mind, which again, he was a chemical engineer, minored in business, did pretty well. Um, at least, you know, while oil was good, you know, <laughs> I'm from Texas, so it's all oil. Um, <laughs> but so, you know, worked at an oil company did, you know, day in, day in, day out, just did the kind of corporate grind. And he, he liked engineering and he's good at it. But I remember he, he told me in the car one time, I got, I think I remember where on the road I was actually, he was like, he, he's telling me, he's like, you know, he's like, before I became an engineer, I wanted to be a math teacher, like a high school math teacher. And he was like, and I've, I've liked my job. You know, I think we would, you know, have a much harder time financially. You know, if I had done that, like our life would have looked different. We probably live in a different spot. I just lived in the suburbs, but you know, he was like, but if I, if I could go back, I'd probably be a math teacher. And I was like, really? Wow. You know, he's like, yeah, he's like, I just, he's like, I, I enjoy it. I still enjoy it. I mean, he, I think he did some tutoring like for fun, just like as, as a grown man, just like went and did like a side hustle as a tutor for like junior high kids, you know? And and it was just like, Hey, like it's not the end of the world if you do something that you don't love, but if you get the chance to, and it's feasible, maybe you give it a shot, you know? Um, and that really meant a lot to me. And so I, I, after my first semester, I switched to physics. Um, it's just kind of nice that you're able to make that realization relatively early on in your college career yes i was very yeah. <laughs> lucky to be able to do that thankfully like the first you know couple bit or sorry I'm moving around first <laughs> uh first like semester two for engineering physics looked pretty similar so it, was, it wasn't a problem at all it didn't delay my graduation or anything in fact like a lot of people would get into physics and then switch to engineering because they didn't like make it into the college initially um mm -hmm. so i was one of the few going the other direction which uh they laughed at me for <laughs> but <laughs> No, but it's good. So that that's kind of how I, I got into it. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with physics. When I was a kid, I liked stars, but I, I came to realize pretty quickly that astrophysics is just like looking at really grainy photos of galaxies for your mm. entire life, which I didn't super want to do. <laughs> Shout out to the people that want to do that. Seriously, man. Yeah. I mean, people always ask me, like, why do you do what you want to do? Uh, often you know, immediately following, man, I hated physics when I was in school. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, look, if no one liked it, it wouldn't exist. So yep. I, I'm a, I'm a statistical inevitability. Someone has to like it. Yep. So, um, Many people would say that about accounting. So, yes. you know, I feel you. Very true. But yeah. That's how I got into it. And then decided to do PhD. There's a whole nother thing, but I'm sure that'll come when we talk about my job. So. <laughs> I feel like, kind of circling back to like that story you told about your dad. I feel like Mr. Albasta senior needs a shout out like that. He, that he saw that in you as like a young kid, he was like in your life enough to realize like, Oh, 
this kid has something that he is interested in. Let's like do a <laughs> little bit of work to see if it could be something. And oh, I think, totally. yeah, like that's just such a such a blessing to have a dad that encouraged that in you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love my dad. I respect my dad a ton. Um, he's been through a lot of stuff, but he did a really good job. I have a twin sister. It's just the two of us. And he did a really, really good job with us. Um, I gave a, I gave a toast at my wedding. I remember to him, um, is mm-hmm. after like the, the groom in the, you know, bridesmaid speeches and stuff. I was short, but I was just like, he's a really quiet guy. He's an mm-hmm. introvert doesn't talk very much a lot of people that have met him have never really heard him talk (laughs) um but you know i was like hey there's a lot of people in life that don't demand attention i feel the same way about my best friend he's really similar um they don't demand attention but they are kind of irreplaceable you know like you would look Mm, really different without them in your life and they you know they don't get enough attention part of that's because they don't want it you know but i've always said if i could I, i see my dad as a role model for parenting you know if slash when I have kids in the future. Yeah. No, I want to do the same thing. Whatever they want to do, you know, you got to make sure they know that it can be fun to like follow the things that you enjoy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Yeah. To kind of follow up on that. So you are in a PhD program now. So congratulations. That's pretty epic. <laughs> I don't know about epic, but yeah, it, it's where I'm at. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Personally. I, uh-huh. yeah, I think it's good. <laughs> so I know Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you work a lot on nuclear fusion. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to our audience what that is and why we should care about it? Yes, I can do that. So we're going to do this with a, with a couple steps explaining what's going on here. So when you put gasoline in your car, <laughs> what happens is you've got the gas and then or the gasoline and then you inject it into a little tube with some oxygen and you heat it up. And then it burns and you get heat from it. And that energy is stored in the chemical bonds in the gasoline. And then you use that to push your car forward. A lot of people are more familiar with like fission, like uranium kind of stuff. Uh, And a lot of us in school, maybe at some point know that the way that that works, instead of the energy being in chemical bonds, the energy is stored in the nucleus, like the, the core of the atom. So you have like your uranium atom. It's got a bunch of protons and neutrons in the middle. And what happens is you split the atom. You know, a lot of y'all saw, probably saw Oppenheimer recently. That's what's going on there. Um, we know pop culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super <laughs> up on it. I still haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> neither have I, but that's okay. Keep going. But yeah, so you take uranium um, or just, you know, any heavy element and you split it. And that actually releases a bunch of energy. Now, what a lot of people don't know um, is that the reason it releases energy is because the most stable, like the lowest energy element is iron, which is kind of smack dab in the middle of the periodic table. So if there's any element that's heavier than iron, that's further down the table, if you make it smaller, like you split it into pieces, it releases energy. But on the other side of things, if they're like lighter elements, if you combine them, it releases energy. So use them, use them, Mm. anything getting closer to iron in mass uh, in terms of like an atom combining with another atom or an atom splitting gives off energy. And it's a lot of energy. It's like thousands, 
if not millions of times more energy than a chemical reaction would do. Nuclear reactions are much stronger, which is why atomic bombs work, because <laughs> you have a small amount of you know uranium and it makes a very big explosion. So if you go on the other side of it um, and you take really light elements like hydrogen, which is the lightest element, and you say, like, take one hydrogen, another hydrogen and get them to stick together and form helium, um, that releases a bunch of energy. Um, that's actually how the sun works. So the sun oh. is mostly hydrogen. It's a giant ball of really hot hydrogen. And at the core of the sun, it's really dense. There's a lot of pressure. and It's super hot. And there's enough energy to where some of the hydrogens, when they run into each other at really high speeds, have enough energy to stick together. And once they stick together, they release more energy. So at the near the core of the sun, you have a bunch of hydrogen slowly turning into helium. And that's what powers the entire sun. That's where all of its energy comes from. Wow. Which is cool, right? And kind of we inadvertently rely on that for everything, for all life on Earth. Like, I mean, yeah. all of our energy comes from light for the most part from the sun. That's how plants grow. That's we eat the plants, you know. Also so that we just like can exist at a good living temperature yes don't freeze to death that's important too (laughs) so inadvertently the earth is already fusion powered pretty much everything on it now thinking about what you needed to make fusion happen was the core of a star right so very hot and very dense a lot of pressure for from the sun it's from gravity pushing the hydrogen together so it's close together and then it also being very hot so what we're doing is we're trying to take hydrogen on the earth which is very easy to get it's in water you can Mm. literally take like water any water and turn it into hydrogen and oxygen you just throw away the oxygen um (laughs) we don't do that yet who needs that anyway (laughs) and if you can heat up that hydrogen hot enough many times the temperature of the sun actually and then squish it together really hard you can make fusion happen here and generate an insane amount of energy so the reason that's interesting is because again we have a ton of hydrogen. <laughs> We're never going to run out of hydrogen. And everyone has access to it. And when you do fusion, the only exhaust is helium, which is fine. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's like there's nothing negative about there's it. There's nothing negative yeah. about it. And it's very small amounts because, again, you need much less stuff when it's a nuclear reaction. So the long-term goal is build fusion reactors as like a primary electricity source. And you just run them off of water. So you don't need to, you're burning water effectively and it's not a lot of water. the electricity you could ever need. And it's like a small amount of water. It's like a, you know, an 18 wheelers worth of water for a year for like a major city. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. It's like nothing. So, man. so that's the end goal. Now, how you get there is really difficult. It's hard to make something that hot and that dense and keep it from, you know, escaping. <laughs> so, well, isn't there the, now correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I, know very little about this topic but is there any difficulty in keeping something that hot from just like imploding or exploding or like like what what are the negative possible side effects of that happen rap reaction happening yeah so so it is impossible to cause an explosion with fusion okay the reason is is so it's kind of the opposite of like a fission bomb with what happens in a fission bomb is one part of it starts to explode and that triggers the rest of it to explode in fusion. If something gets out of control, then it like breaks your confinement, which is like we hold it together with big magnetic fields. It escapes the magnetic fields, 
which stops the fusion reaction. Like the only reason fusion is happening is because we're holding it together. So as soon as it escapes, it immediately cools down and stops making energy. So like the worst case thing that could happen is it could like like melt some metal. Okay. We keep it in these big donuts. It could like melt a little bit of the donut. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So like, is it just that difficult to keep them together? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it takes like giant magnets, some of the strongest ones that we've ever made um, that are like, you know, tens of feet large um, and then like dozens of them. Whoa. And these big, like, I mean, for like a reactor scale, when you're talking like, I don't know, like 20 feet high, 30 feet wide, Jeez. maybe larger, like these giant metal donuts. And you know, there's a couple of different approaches. The big metal donut's the main one. <laughs> but, you know, so it's, it's a huge undertaking. And then also when you heat stuff up that hot and try to keep it in one spot, a lot of stuff happens. It doesn't like it. And so a lot of, I study plasma physics. A plasma is just a really hot gas. So we study the physics of what happens to really hot hydrogen when you try to confine it like this. And lots of stuff can happen. We've improved orders of magnitude like factors of 10, like over the last like 50 or so years to the point where we could, we could build a fusion reactor now that would provide power. It would just cost a ton of money. So the main goal right now is like understand it better so we can design better machines so that we don't have to make it as big and still get a lot of usable power out of it. Yeah. So then be cheaper. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so how long, <laughs> yeah. And how long have, how long have we, been trying have we, have we been exploring fusion as an option for like making energy yeah so the main reason we started exploring fusion is because we figured out the atomic bomb in like world war ii and everyone got really interested in nuclear stuff there are so if you've heard of the phrase hydrogen bomb before yep um a hydrogen bomb is a like compound fission fusion bomb so it has it doesn't have hydrogen in it but it long story short it incorporates fusion a little bit into it it's still like mainly a uranium bomb like that's what provides most of the energy um, so it's called a hydrogen bomb but there's no hydrogen in it so okay if you want the <laughs> detailed answer it has lithium in it and when the main fission bomb explodes the neutrons from it turn the lithium into hydrogen okay and then the go. hydrogen fuses because it's under a lot of pressure from the explosion of the first bomb. Um, and then it shoots neutrons back into the first bomb, which make it explode more. That's how it works. Man, um, we're talking crazy. about bombception. Bombs. <laughs> yeah, no, they're called this, you know, stage bombed uh, stage bombs. So like there's a small bomb that triggers a big bomb that re ex excites the initial bomb. Wow. And I, I think maybe the thing that made them uh, so interested in it is uh, when they first conceptualized this. Um, have you all ever heard of uh, Bikini Atoll? I, I'm, I'm familiar with the first part of that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, Bikini Atoll is an island in like the Polynesia area. And post-World War II, during the Cold War, the U.S. Uh, set off a bomb there called Castle Bravo. And it was one of the first large H-bomb experiments. And their math was wrong. Uh, and the explosion was like 10 plus times larger. I, I might be getting the numbers a little bit off, but it was much larger than they thought it would be. 
Um, oh. and you still can't go there. Like it's like the, from the radiation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like there's some, there's a video of it. You can look up of like the initial explosion and it's, it's insane. It's probably the first example of like a, like a, I like to call them like an oh bleep bomb, you know? Or it's like, <laughs> oh, this, oh man. Like we didn't know people could do this, you know, <laughs> kind of experiences. And so then I think at that point, but yeah, long story short, there was a big movement of like, Hey, we made weapons with this. It'd be great if we could um, make non-weapons with this that were actually useful. And that's actually the same period of time where most of the nuclear reactors in the U.S. were built. Like the the government was like, hey, we're going to do this. They built a bunch of fission plants. And at the same time, they started researching fusion. The Soviet Union also started researching fusion. At this, least kind of another race that they did. At the, we actually mainly use the Soviet uh, version of it nowadays, but the, the U.S. version is still around. Um, as like a competing concept. Um, is there any competition among that, like among countries right now, do you know? Or is it just kind of like a thing that we're just kind of like casually doing? We all really want it to work. So we're actually like very cooperative. Wow, countries can cooperate with each other? So scientists tend to really like hanging out. Like it's actually really <laughs> funny. They call it like scientific, like outreach or scientific politics where it's like most scientists just want to research stuff. Like they don't want to argue with you. And so like, pretty much the entire world is working on fusion together. Like there's reactors in every major world power, um, even some non like super world power countries. Everyone shares all of their data, all of their research. You can go there, you can work at any of them, basically. Um, it's really cool. In fact, there's like a joint uh, project in France called ITER, which is the world's largest fusion reactor that's under construction right now. And it's funded by like every major world power. Jeez. It's pretty cool. That is cool to hear. I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's nice. You know, it's you, a nice thing. Usually I feel like countries don't like each other. And I'm glad to hear that in certain instances we do. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a breath of fresh air for sure. Uh, when we're trying to not blow things up, we actually get along. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people are like, I would like electricity that's easy to make. <laughs> Crazy. Cool. Yeah. So um, we had another question for you. Seth kind of alluded to it in your brag sheet. What are some different places you've been uh, for your work? And what was that experience like? Yeah, totally. So um, I'd say I've been on like two types of trips. There was I had a job before this one when I was still an undergrad where I worked for a lab that was looking for dark matter. Um, we don't need to jump into that. Needless to say, looking for stuff that's out in space and we don't know what it is necessarily and we're trying to detect it somehow. This is also a big international thing that everyone's kind of trying to do. Um, and while I was working there, it was cool. I got to uh, go to uh, Europe for like a month and a half or so to visit a couple labs and then work at a lab for like a month in France. Um, and it was really, really fun. My wife got to go with me. You know, we paid for her plane tickets, but she just stayed in the room with me. It was it was really, really awesome. So I don't, do you want me to like launch into what we did? Yeah, do go for okay, it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that one was that one was cool because, again, it was, it was this lab. We we're trying to detect these particles that people think might exist. And again, this is like a big international thing. Uh, so I went to Germany first, um, stayed in Munich. It was beautiful. I, I, I love the city. Maybe beautiful is the wrong word. It was nice. Like it, I, I think yeah. going to Germany is one of the least culture shock things you can do from the U.S. The mm. city is 
Even, like, like even less than the UK? Maybe so. I don't know. UK is very UK is probably also pretty similar. Sure. Germany's just like a lot of open land, good beer. It's just like a city. Amen. <laughs> but it's it's built like American cities almost, where it's just like it's like an American city with good public transportation. That's like the main difference. <laughs> but like the food's Are great. Are you implying <laughs> that American cities don't have good public transportation? I don't you dare. I would never if my FBI agent is listening. <laughs> uh no, it was... Ryan's definitely not in witness protection right now. No, and my name's Ryan for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's been like a week and a half in Munich, um, and there was like this kind of joint lab uh, for dark matter research. They invited a bunch of like younger researchers there to do like a kind of like a summer camp type thing where they taught us like different like codes that they use, um, and also talked about the, all the different projects going on. That was super fun. Germany's awesome. Again, it's just like good food. It doesn't feel exotic to us because we kind of eat a lot of German style food. It's just mm. like meat and like cooked vegetables and beer. So pretty hard Sounds to dislike to it. Me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, was, it was fantastic. Germans are, were also like very nice. I, I actually work for a German now. My boss is from, uh, I think he's also from Munich actually. And he's great. I get along really well with him. But um, so yeah, culture's great. That was really fun. And then we uh, took, like a short like three-day trip to italy which two the two very different but equally enjoyable parts of this were i got to go to some like super local grandma run italian restaurants oh, like that sounds amazing in barns yep. and it was a um, it was awesome because we were kind of off the beaten path went to some place called maria's it was called that because the grandmother's name was maria and we ate like a three-course meal and they charged us five dollars for it and it was some of the best food I've ever had. I don't know what I'm still doing here personally. No, it's like if you went like, you know, 15 miles away to like the main town, it's like normal, normal prices, normal, whatever. But this was just like a family place. No one spoke English. They had to like go get a relative to take our order. They like grew all the tomatoes in the backyard. Like it was, it was awesome. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Really fun. Like little local. It was, uh, I think it's called Grand Sasso. It was like the nearest town. Um, and the reason we're there is because it's next to this mountain range in kind of central eastern Italy. And the reason that's important is because there's a lab uh, like two miles underground under those mountains for this research. Um, so you go down this really big tunnel. It's like a car tunnel, like they drilled a tunnel for cars to go under the mountain. Um, and then halfway through the tunnel, when you're like right under the peak of the mountain, you take a right <laughs> for like a, a distance, just like way underground. And you come out into this like, you know, 120 foot ceilings, like gigantic concrete underground, like bunker looking thing. That's this like international dark matter lab. And the reason why that's important <laughs> is because uh, a, a lot of stuff comes from space and hits the earth. And that's where aliens come from, guys. Yeah, it's from this bunker. No, particles and like radiation. Guys, we just want to be clear: there are no aliens in this bunker. No, definitely not. That's definitely not why I was there. Don't look it up. I didn't. I didn't sign anything about not talking about it. They don't know where I live, and they don't have any leverage against me, so it's fine. Y'all thought I was kidding about the witness protection program. It yeah, happens yeah. to not be the U.S. witness protection program. I don't know what you're talking about. Me right. neither. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's this lab. They've got these like giant detectors down there, and they're, it's underground so that like the 
the mountain basically blocks all of the stuff from space um because they're looking for like weird things like weird particles that don't act like normal particles that would potentially still exist underground where all this other stuff would get blocked so that's why it's all down there i got the tour of that mm. see a bunch of huge experiments there's these like giant like you know 30 foot tall whatever like tanks of like liquid xenon and they like wait for particles to go through it and they can see it on cameras like when it goes through it crazy stuff that you'd be like why does you know like that is cool. You wake up, you go to work, you're like, I never knew there was a giant tank of liquid xenon two miles <laughs> ground in Italy. Now I do, you know. Imagine you're like, the guy that's like giving you directions to this place. Right. Okay, so you're just going to want to drive into the mountain and you're like, wait, 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 wait. Back you, it up, like, like over the mountain and he's like, no. no. <laughs> you're going to want to go into the mountain and then just turn. <laughs> yeah, just take a right. He's like, what do you mean take a right? I'm under the mountain. He's like, did you, did you meet Batman? Uh, I can never you're confirm. I was going to say, uh, you're probably not at liberty to say that. <laughs> Ryan's like trying to explain dark matter to us. And we're like, so aliens? <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes, sometimes the real universe is weirder than what we can come up with. Okay. But yeah, so that was really cool. That was like a couple of days thing where we got to tour the lab and meet the scientists who work on some of that stuff, who were people that we'd like talked to before, you know, because we all work in the same field. But it was cool to get to see it up close. Um, and then I went from there to Paris and we like lived there for like a month and worked at a university there uh, that had like a, a another detector laboratory that was like similar to what I did in the United States um, at our at, at A&M where I was working. Um, and we like, we talked to them a bunch. It's kind of an exchange thing. And that was, that was really great. I, I, I think Paris is a city I could live in. It's again, good, good public transportation, but also just like, it's like a chill place. If you avoid the touristy areas, you know, like we were living in like South Paris, um, which is pretty far from the main like tourist attractions. And it's like, it's like pretty diverse, you know, there's like a lot of good, like international food. Um, it's not crazy expensive. I'm sure housing is expensive, you know? We were staying in some like kind of student housing sure. places that uh, the university had rented. But, uh, but if you're making nuclear physics money, maybe maybe as an undergraduate at Texas A and M, I was making like twelve bucks an hour. Uh, but no. yeah, there's not nuclear physics money. Uh, isn't that great? But <laughs> maybe later on in the career. Uh, not yet, that's for sure. But um. Yeah, Paris was beautiful. We uh we went to another city. I forget the name uh, for like a couple of days. But no, France was just great. Europe Europe is interesting because it's you know they speak a different language. The cultures are different, but uh it's not like crazy different. It's still like Western, you know. Still got fast food, you know. Still got uh coffee shops, you know. So it's it's just like the day to day isn't as different as you'd expect. Like it it kind of you got used to it. I mean, we were there for a whole month, you know. So. At some point, this is, you know, get up, go to the train, ride the train to work, you know, go home, go <laughs> eat, <get> a <laughs> eat a croissant. Eat a croissant. Yeah. It was funny. My, uh, Nikki, actually, my wife, uh, learned a little bit of French uh, for it. And she's really good at accents. So she like sounded French and she would like order in French and then Dude. they would just start talking to her in French and she wouldn't <laughs> be. <laughs> she hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on now. Who do you think I am? As soon as you said anything in English, they kind of just like look down on you with disdain, you know? <laughs> we are disappointed. 
Yeah. How did I not do any accents with Nikki at the wedding? Are you good at accents? I love accents. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. I will say she's like very self-conscious about it. Like she can do it, but it's like like she has a huge natural talent for it, but it's like mimicking like like when she lived in the UK, she could like sound like she was from the city where she was living right. if she wanted to. And like people would buy it, you know. Um I the- I'm kind of the same way. I'm not good at like if somebody's like, "Oh, Asher, do the thing." I'm like, eh, "Um I don't <laughs> Oh, I don't totally. Know. Yeah, I don't perform well under pressure. <laughs> oh, no, that's mean. I I worked for Russians for a long time before my current job, and I would always mimic their accent because they had a really strong accent. It was really fun. It's fun to say things in a Russian accent, and and then now I I can't do any accent without it turning into a Russian accent. <laughs> so I try to do another one, and I always end up sounding like Russian. You know? Oh yeah, man. Oh wait, that's not that was. <laughs> Seth went went from Russia straight down to Jamaica. Yeah. Well, my favorite, my favorite quote from undergrad was uh I was in a lab. I'll keep this really short. I was in a lab with a man named Alexei Ekimov and a like a postdoc, like an older grad student, basically. And we have this giant tank of liquid helium and are sticking this thing into it to extract some of it. And he goes, you know, in his really strong Russian accent, he's like, remember, he's like, put rod in slowly. If go too fast, tank will explode. And uh, no survivors. <laughs> and me and the PhD students look at each other like, what? And he just, like, now. He just like chuckles and keeps going. <laughs> it's so right. surreal. I still have to Certainty of death. Yeah. Small chance of success. What are we waiting what for? What are we waiting for? <laughs> You're right. Uh, All right, Alexi, just give it to me straight. <laughs> okay, he's actually that was pretty good. Are we going to die or not? <laughs> oh, that man. is funny. He had a pretty dry sense of humor. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks, Ryan. Was he serious oh. or was it like just to stress um, you out? <laughs> I've worked with a lot of helium since then, and I he I don't think he was serious. There are relief valves, so it shouldn't explode. I think if you stuck it in really fast, maybe it would be great. Um, the chance but, that something would explode is small, but never zero. Never zero. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, but anyways, that was on my previous job. My current job, I go to San Diego a lot and work on experiment there. I don't know how much time we got. I don't have to jump into that. But all I'll say is that I'm happy that he gets to go and do stuff in San Diego, but it makes me sad because it often takes him away from me for a month, month at a time. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure his, uh, you know, like, well, actually, isn't Nikki goes with you sometimes on those? Yeah, for the longer trips. Yeah, she doesn't go if it's just like a week. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, those, those are fun. Again, it's not like exotic. It's, you know, it's just California. But yeah. um, it's nice, especially when it's like during January and it's freezing here. And then it's like 60 degrees there. <laughs> You're like, uh, peace. <laughs> oh, it's great. I am out of here. Yeah. What is San Diego like? San Diego's nice. It's It's very coastal. You know, a lot of sun um fantastic mexican food um oh, you know i'm from texas so pretty good mexican food down there and yeah san diego also top tier and a lot of really good uh, asian food too because they got a pretty significant like you know chinese korean japanese population hmm. um and then the the work there was really fun this is i mean obviously the most 
like complicated science I've gotten to do is now because I've deep into an education. But um, I think that the cool part of that was actually getting to work on, I work on a giant donut, like a fusion donut. Like I was I've worked on some pretty giant donuts myself. Actually. <laughs> um, Someone had to make the joke. Right? Y'all, y'all, <laughs> trip. Yeah, yeah, it's it been a here. delicious challenge. Laser Nation. Anytime I've been faced with a giant donut, uh, you know it's it's tough, but someone's got to get to the bottom of it. So, <laughs> oh, really, just providing a service. That's right. Um, well, yeah. Th- thanks, Ryan, for giving us a little bit of detail on that. Um, I just I wanted to do this. Want to give a shout out to Nikki real quick because she is also in the accounting field, uh, and so shout out to her. That's pretty great. Uh, hashtag best and possibly most boring profession out there. So. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty fun. It's actually pretty fun. You gotta have a special love of spreadsheets, dude. Absolutely, and she does, and so do you. And if you didn't have that, I'd be like, you're in the wrong profession. That's right. <laughs> you know what I like to say about accounts? We like to spreadsheets both. During the day and at night. So, oh my gosh, have you seen that that oh. shirt? That's like, um, that one took me a sec. <laughs> Ryan's still recovering. <laughs> Someone made a shirt that's like freaking the sheets, but it's like <laughs> a Google spreadsheet like logo. <laughs> if any of y'all are wondering what to get me for Christmas, <laughs> boom. Um, oh, that's man. good. That's good. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, last little question here. Um, this is a question that we want to ask all our guests. So, Ryan, if you were to define what living an adventurous life means for you, what would you say? That's a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I got briefed on this question <laughs> before I came <laughs> on because it's a hard one. Because, uh, Adventure means a lot of different things to people. I think it's funny. I I would consider myself more of a homebody. Um, <laughs> I'm not a huge traveler. Like I, I I have traveled a lot, but not because I've really sought it out. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like to me, adventure is doing something, doing or experiencing or understanding something new. And I've gone on, I've gone on trips before, that I wouldn't call an adventure. Because I didn't really change. I didn't really understand anything new. I didn't really. And I, I think like kind of a shallow like, what does that mean? Is the whole like, you know, people say like, go on a trip and like, don't be a tourist. You know, they say like, you know, go on a trip, but like, you know, get to know the culture, you know, like, like do things a little off the beaten path, you know, mm-hmm. don't just go take a picture by the waterfall. Don't just go to like the, you know, tourist trap restaurant, you know. Like try to get out and do something a little more local. Go um, to Maria's. Go to <laughs> go to Maria's in in Grand Sasso, Italy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I think the the reason why people say that is because we have this kind of innate like, I want to experience something that I didn't foresee. You know, I wanted I want to change, not necessarily like who I am, but how I see things. I want to experience something that I couldn't have just come up with myself. You know. You go to a new country and you're like, oh, I'm going to try new food. And you might have read about it, but you've never tasted it. You know, um, like you go to <laughs> there's this famous uh, line from uh, Good Will Hunting. That's one of my favorite movies where the the therapist is talking to Will. And, and he's like, you know, he's like, you've read 
you know, you've read about the Sistine Chapel, you know, but you've never been there. You've never smelled the paint. You've never seen, you mm. know, mm. just like the brush strokes yourself. You know, you've you've read about love. You've read about love potion potions. Always <laughs> <laughs> read about love poems. Um, you know, you could quote me Shakespeare, but you've never cared about someone enough to suffer with them. You know, and it's this beautiful mm. line where it's like, you know, you know about these things, but you've never been them you've never done them and i think adventure is being and doing the things you know but i think like you know learning a new instrument is an adventure you know um getting into a new type of music is an adventure you know reading new literature that you've never gotten into before like is an adventure because it's like you're 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 un, you're gaining a new perspective on something and i think traveling can really do that for you but it's also easy to travel and not change anything about yourself you know because the one thing that stays with you when you're done with the trip is you yeah and so if you go on the trip and you come back and you're not different then it why did the trip happen hmm. you know you've got some like a couple memories of it you know but like how did that affect you did that change how you look at things you know like and i, I try to think about stuff in that perspective you know um over my life i've i've learned about i, I like learning about stuff i mean i'm a, <laughs> still in school so you know <laughs> um, but it's like I've learned about a lot of different things. My my perspective on a lot of things has evolved enormously. And uh, it's been fun. Like it, it's felt adventurous and it's scary sometimes, you know, like it's scary to question things that you've always thought. It's scary to leave, you know, the the well lit tourist trap and go off into, you know, the nearby areas of a place you're visiting, you know, um, and you shouldn't just always do that, you know, but but you get to see what life is actually like for other people and you get to put yourself in their shoes and you get to understand the world a bit better. And I think that's adventure. And I think at the end of your life, you should know more about what other people are doing and going through and living and thinking than you did mm -hmm. before. You know, like if you live in the same bubble and I'm not just talking like physically, I'm talking like mentally and, you know, the kinds of things that you think about and, and the way that you see events or, or relationships, um, the way, that, the way you see yourself, like, do you understand yourself? You know, if those things don't evolve over time, you're not being adventurous, mm. you know, you're not pushing yourself. You can take all the vacations you want. <laughs> and if you look the same at the end of every year, as you did the previous year, that's not that adventurous, you know? Mm. I like that. I really like what you said, because I think, for me, like I consider myself a very adventurous person, but that's because I I like to go out and do things and and see the world and uh, do something dangerous or risky. But like like you were saying, like you're a homebody and adventure for you maybe looks different than it does for me, but it's the same. It's the same thing. Like you said, like learning an instrument, that's not any, any less of an adventure than like climbing Everest. Mm -hmm. Like if you are, if, if the thing is changing you and changing your perspective, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, so I, think, I, like I think the equation, right, is do something 
that challenges you, that's new, you know, that you haven't done before or that you haven't done in that way before, or think about something in a new way that you haven't done before, or like seek out, you know, an opinion or a perspective that you haven't thought of before and have humility. Because if you go into any of those things and you think you already know what you're doing, you're not going to learn as much. Yeah. Like if you like pick up a Absolutely. guitar and you're like, I'm going to shred, right? Not- <laughs> Spoiler alert, you're not going to shred. No. But if you go into it and you, you you look up all the YouTube videos, like how to do this, and you get into like, oh, there's this guy and he plays like this and I'm going to learn like that. And you learn about the lore of guitars, you know, if you ever met like a guitarist, like especially electric guitarists, you know, they speak like a different language, you know, um, of like, yeah, dude, I just picked up this sick wonkle pedal. Oh, my- <laughs> and you're like, dude, what? <laughs> That's so spot on. But, you know, it's like it's like a it's like a different subculture. It's like in, in, in if you humble yourself and are like, I don't already know what I'm getting into here, be it like a, a new food or a new culture, or a new you know area or like a new skill, then you can actually grow. And you're right. That applies to everything, travel and everything else. I think that's one thing that I'm really like. You're only our second guest and I'm already like, wait, like this is so this is sweet. Like I I get to would I would I have gone by myself and researched nuclear fusion? Probably not. But like. <laughs> I am literally a better person for like hearing your perspective on it and like it really interests you and I get to get just like a little window into that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thanks a lot for uh for giving us a peek at your life and your your passion. This is really fun. I I really enjoyed, I really appreciate being invited on. I mean, you know, again, everyone looks so different and everyone's life is so different. And like most of the time, you're like, you're not center stage, you know? And like you, people don't need to listen to you. People don't need to listen to me, you know? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it's fun to have an opportunity to be like, this is, this is my experience, you know? Um, And everyone, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I'm just one guy, you know? But this has been really fun. I, I like what y'all are doing. I, I think it's so cool to have a bunch of different perspectives, y'all's included, like just in one spot about adventure, because I think everyone wants that, you know? Yeah. Everyone wants adventure and it means something different to everybody, but y'all are capturing a lot of different angles of it, you know? So this has been fun. Absolutely. All right. And now it's time for this week's adventure microdose. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Asher, you want to kick us off? Sure. I never start, I feel like. Um change of pace. But I've got it, I've got it on lock. This what one is it? pretty sweet. Um I am so at sorry. some point you guys are probably gonna get sick of hearing about Shay and I's exploits. But hopefully it's not this week because <laughs> we had quite a microdose of adventure. Uh let's, let's see. wait and see what kind of illegal trespassing they did this time. Hey. There was no sign this time, so um listen. Uh no, so this time um set the scene for you just a little bit. Uh I got off of a 24, like all fantastic days start, honestly. And I'd seen that Shay 
had texted me the night before asking if I was free that day. Uh, so I called him on my way because um, there's kind of a point where I'm coming home where I can decide to go to Appleton, which is like pretty close to where Shay lives or to Oshkosh. Um, so I was about to hit the Appleton exit and I just took that way. Um, I was like, if Shay doesn't want to hang out, I can do something in Appleton on my own. Uh, but he did. So we met in Appleton for breakfast and then we went Burk to fast. Got a little, got a little brekkie in our brekkie in our tummies. And uh, we went to this park. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> wow. Um, the founder is very offended right now. Yeah, he probably is. But um, he's also probably dead. So probably very dead. And it does keep me and Sh- it keeps Shay and I a little safer. Um, if <laughs> we don't actually say the name, but anyway. So we were in the park and we got to this bridge. There was a column, kind of a support column for the bridge. Um, and on the outside of this column, there were stones that were kind of set like bricks with some really good hand and footholds. So I climbed up there. Um, that was pretty cool. And then came back down and we kept going through the park got to this creek and followed the creek for a little bit and then found this entrance to like a tunnel. Um, It was pretty secret tunnel. Yeah. It was pretty secret because the tunnel was like barred. (laughs) So we were like, yeah, that doesn't mean no trespassing. No, there wasn't a sign. Not that, a sign would have stopped us. Anyway, I was like about ready to turn around when Shay was like, wait, do you think we could fit under under the grate? I was like, maybe. So there's only one way to find out. So I like slip under this grate because it was it had like bars up to a certain height, but there was like maybe 10 inches that the bars didn't cover. So that's pretty tight. Yeah, it was it was pretty tight. We got a little wet because there was like water at the at the bottom of the tunnel. But we got in there. We definitely should have had flashlights, but we just had our phones. And we just walked through this tunnel. It was maybe like four feet tall, just like a rainwater. Yeah, I was tunnel. gonna say, was it like like a part of like an old sewer system or something? It wasn't sewer, thank the Lord. Because <laughs> okay. it didn't smell. Um, yeah, it was just like rainwater overflow kind of. So we, yeah, we meandered through there for a little bit. We sang some harmonies to some songs. And that As sounded did. sweet. It, yeah, it just echoes in there. So cool. Took some pictures in the like really low light down there and vowed to return with uh, rubber boots so we could keep going through. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There we go. So it was a good day. Awesome. What you got, Seth? Uh, So for mine, 
This was a pioneering experience for me, personally. Uh, yes. Going boldly where no Harper has gone. That's, well, I'll talk to my dad. He'll say otherwise. <laughs> um, but I went on my first bar crawl yesterday, which before I say anything else, I know that some of you, as you just heard that, were like, oh, man, I thought he was a responsible guy. Now, first of all, uh, I try to be. Most of the time. <laughs> but just as like an overall general view on the subject, uh, I do not condone underage drinking. Uh, everyone that I was with, including myself, we're all 21. So, you know, we're all allowed to be in there, first of all. And I was still acting responsibly. Um, I had a few drinks, but definitely didn't get overly tipsy, probably not barely tipsy at all. And just overall, it was it was a good way. Well, I guess it kind of gets in the story a little bit. So, like, the way that I happened upon this opportunity was last week, There, I had to go to this meeting for the master's program for accounting that I'll be doing starting next fall. And I've gotten to know quite a few people in the accounting program through that, but I had never really done much with them outside of school. And after that meeting was done, they were like, yo, Seth, what are you doing Tuesday night? I was like, uh, I don't know. And I totally forgot this was a weeknight. <laughs> yeah, no, this was like a Tuesday night. But like, to be fair, most of us, most of us have been done with, would be done with finals by that point. Right. And I technically have one more, but it's a dumb one that I don't even have to study for. Um. Anyway. <laughs> and I was like, and they were like, uh, yeah, you want to come on a bar crawl? We're trying to get all the accounting masters people together to go on a bar crawl on Tuesday night. And I was like, sure, why not? And so I went and it turns out that I was actually the first one there to the first bar that we said we were going to be going to. And so got a drink, which bars we were at. I honestly, I could have drank a lot more than I did because everything on tap, like two bucks, which is, Awesome. So I had a beer and then people gradually started showing. Because he's up. a man. That's right. Spotted Cow all the way. Shout out to Spotted Cow. Hey, oh, New Glarus, <laughs> if you want to sponsor Here us, come the shout outs. <laughs> hit us up. All right. Also, really, any any beer company. Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll Bud take them all. Budweiser. Eh, I don't know about that, but you know. Um, Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'm going to steer clear of the political conversation <laughs> for the purposes of this microdose. Um, so, yeah, uh, I learned how to play darts, which that was fun. Uh, turns out I'm pretty decent. You know, there's a little bit of a technique to it. I'm uh, shocked you haven't been inducted into the, yeah, the I don't know. It's just dart like, cult yet. I'm just... It's pervasive in Wisconsin. I don't know. I, I don't really go to bars that often, so it's just kind of... I don't really have the opportunity, but... Um, so that was fun. And then we only went to one other bar. Uh, this one, um, we had to wait in line to get into. This one was a little bit more, a little bit more popular, a little more hopping, you could say. Uh, it was also later in the night by that point. So at that one, it was happened to be karaoke night, and I signed up to do karaoke, but I wasn't able to do it because I waited like two hours after I'd signed up, and they still didn't call my name. And it was like. It was getting kind of late at this point. I was like, you know, I'm getting tired. Also, I realized 
I'm getting so old, guys. Like that is a the, great. <laughs> I was in this. If bar. you hadn't mentioned that, I was gonna. I was gonna say that. Well, like I was in this bar, and like me and this other guy, we're both seniors. We're complaining about how loud it is. <laughs> All these young kids in here, what? You can't. <laughs> yeah, I know. Us old guys just want to enjoy a quiet drink. And... It was. It was a little tough be honest but talk with our associates yeah but no overall it was good i i was very responsible with what i drank and even most of the people that i was with didn't get you know like overly tipsy overly drunk you know there were a couple but overall it was it was a good time to like more bond with the people that i'm going to be spending a lot of time with next year because we're all going to be taking the same classes at the same time so yeah, that was that was a good time. It was it was a little bit of what I expected a bar crawl to be, but also not what I expected it to be cuz I thought that it would just be like people going crazy nuts and like just having no control over themselves and being stupid. And like yeah, there were a couple here and there, but for the most part it was just people like sitting around chatting, singing out the songs, playing darts. Like it was just overall it was a good time. So I feel like anything you can do when you're when you're going to be in like a if you have like a professional group of people or like an academic group of people that you're going to be spending a lot of time with anything you can do that you don't have to like compromise your morals and like you're hanging out with them it's it's always good absolutely to be closer with those people than not as close because when when you're like backed against the wall they're gonna be the people that you're gonna wanna like have help you yeah 100 percent. and there's even uh one of one of the people in our group who he he doesn't drink at all because he's got a bad pancreas he just comes out to the bars to hang out with people so you know yeah that was that was it for me Before we let you go, uh, we want to include you in Adventure Microdose. If yours is three weeks or within a month, we're we're not going to judge you for that. Uh, (laughs) If it didn't happen in the last two weeks, don't talk about it. It's a hard cut. (laughs) Um, But yeah, do you got anything, just a little, your own little mini adventure that happened to you recently? Yeah. Yeah, I... um... I've been getting more into like politics and stuff lately, just trying to like, you know, define my perspective on things a little bit more. I think everybody goes through that eventually as you get older. When I was younger, is you know, I'll put it off till later kind of type thing, <laughs> um, which is probably good because when you're younger, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> it, it takes a little bit of time to learn about the world and, you know, be a little bit less impulsive. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, recently I, I, I went to a protest, which was pretty new for me. Not the first time I'd ever done it, but, you know, it it takes a bit to step out of your comfort zone and go do a thing because you care about it. You know, I don't know if it was within the last two weeks, actually, but I'm I'm so sorry ahead of time. (laughs) But um, but yeah, that that felt like an adventure. And, you know, I don't think it changed the world at all, you know, but like uh, it was a big deal for me because it was like, okay, I'm going to do something because I care about this thing, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah. Which is a hard step to make. Like, it's easy to just think and listen about things and not do a thing you know mm. so 
Yeah. Very much like putting your money where your mouth is. Like exactly. Yeah. You're there with everyone else. You only got so much money. And by that I mean, you know, time. So it's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the end, you know, sometimes you gotta get up and, and, and spend some time on the thing that you care about. And it's harder to do it than you would think, you know. Awesome. Well, uh yeah. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. It was great having you. Good deal. All right. Signing off. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll catch you in the next one. Get some ketamine. <laughs> <laughs>